1: Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly,
0: dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, being a husband and a girl dad, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris each week wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays.
2: Twenty minutes a day, three hundred and sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack A Day Podcast.
3: That it is, and everybody, welcome to Thursday's edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. We are once again one person short, since apparently. Jimmy and I did all the same stuff right around the same time. So Hadley and Blake are both September 18th. I'll be a year apart as far as birthdays go. And his anniversary is as we record here on October 21st. Mine, of course, was last week. So a happy anniversary to Jimmy and Des. Des, I've only heard of you. I've never actually seen you and met you. But uh, kudos to you because I only have to put up with Jimmy twice a week, and that's hard enough. So I, I give you mad props for being able to do that for – Jimmy didn't tell me how long you guys have been married, so I, I apologize. I, I don't know how many years it's been, but kudos to both you guys. Congratulations. That's incredible. I am joined by new homeowner. That's, I suppose it's <laughs> not that new anymore, but new homeowner, and we're in the Pat Cave, which is what I'm calling it. I don't know if I got a better name for that or not, but Maggie Loney with her Victory Flannel, which that's what we're still calling it. And that's what we're going with because this Sunday we're moving on. We're uh, on to Houston as coach Belichick might say, but Maggie, how are we doing? I'm
4: doing good. I, you know, I said on the round table that this is now the anytime flannel because I'm just going to wear it whenever the hell I want. So, (laughs) but yeah, no, this is the get right game coming into Houston. And I think we'll talk about why.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately (laughs) we don't have Texans defense against Packers offense as our topic because That would be a lot of fun. If you guys think Green Bay's defense is bad, wait till you get a load of this Texans team. They are horrible. And they have, I mean, there are some pieces on that side of the ball. J.J. Watt, obviously you guys I'm sure are familiar with him at this point. (laughs) Romeo Cornell is one of the most respected defensive minds in the NFL. He was part of that Belichick tree that won the Super Bowls in the early Tom Brady dynasty portion of things. But that's not what we have. We have the Texans offense, which has some fun pieces on it against the Packers defense, which also has some fun pieces on it. And that's where I want to start because I saw the stat today that Jair Alexander, again, played really, really well on Sunday. His next-gen stats are great. His pro football focus grade was great. His Andy Herman grade, which doesn't have a better name than that, is great. The Packers have a shutdown corner like that. So you would think that one side of the field is completely shut off. That's kind of how shutdown corners work. Z'Darrius Smith is a great player. They have a really good safety in Adrian Amos. They have Kenny Clark, who's a stud nose tackle. Preston Smith hasn't played well. He's good. Rashawn Gary is the 12th overall pick. Darnell Savage is the 21st overall pick. Kevin King didn't play on Sunday, but he's a good player. And the Packers defense still is not one that I think we can sit here and say that we feel reliable on if the game is on the line, we feel comfortable that they're going to go out there and make a stop. And the way that I saw it put the best was by Ross Uglum from Pack Report. And he basically said the sum of the whole is not equaling up to its parts. Now there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. For example, Preston Smith is not playing well right now. There's, I'm not quite sure why or how, but he's just not. Z'Darrius Smith, not as impactful as he was a season ago. Then again, expecting that might've been an exercise mm-hmm. in tomfoolery because he was incredible last year. They've been banged up a little bit with some injuries, but when in doubt in the world of Packers nation with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position, we blame the defensive coordinators around here (laughs) for years. It was Dom capers and now it's Mike Patton. And this is something that I don't want to say I've been out in front of, but I remember when he was hired, he was not my first choice. It was Vic Fangio. Obviously Fangio only stuck around for one more year and then he got in Chicago and then he got the head coaching job in Denver, but they hired Mike Patton. The defense that year wasn't good. He kind of got lauded because the personnel on the defense stunk, which is legitimately true there. I mean, by the end of the year, they were playing people like Maggie and myself at cornerback. It was just kind of a (laughs) rough year. That being said, the defense did not finish. They did not grade out well. They spent a gazillion dollars and two first round picks on the defensive side of the ball. And the Packers defense last year was average, slightly above And this year they're not good. They haven't been through, I should say, through five games. They're not good. Now that can change, obviously. But, Maggie, what's people after the game on Sunday wanted Mike Patton fired. And that's not going to happen. The Packers don't fire coaches midseason. Well, (laughs) I shouldn't (laughs) say that. They did that to Mike McCarthy. That's not true. But I would be very surprised if they fired a coordinator like this in the middle of the season. Now, I did hear Matt LaFleur say that, quote, that's something we need to look at in terms of how – passive they are on defense. What are your thoughts on Mike Pettin through the first two years and five games of this season? And is this something that can improve or have we just kind of seen what he is at this point And this is just what it is for better or worse in 2020.
4: I, I was, I think higher on Mike Pettin uh, coming into green Bay. I liked what he had done um, with the jets. He was obviously the head coach of the Browns and he, had a better record than a guy like Hugh Jackson. So, I mean, you know, we see, in, and there's talk now with Dan Quinn, like maybe you, or Todd Bowles, where it's like, hey, maybe you just have a guy who's a better coordinator than a head coach. And that's kind of what I thought for Mike Patton. I thought that the defense was going to be his bread and butter. And that's the side of the ball that he needed to focus on. And, I mean, I think, um, you know, we've we've talked about that. It seems like his style of play is, you're not going to beat me in the running game. Um, he is expecting the offense to maintain a lead so that the defense never has to really play from behind. and they're playing loose football where they rely on turnovers and big playability, which is something that we saw a lot from the 2019 defense. They were up at the, the top of the the NFL in turnover margin. You know, they were ball Hawks last season and they had some big plays and when now we're seeing, when this Packers defense doesn't have that, which they didn't against the Buccaneers, they're kind of lost. And I think that a lot of that, you know, Ben Fennel broke it down really well. Um, if you're not following Ben Fennel and his film breakdowns, you need to, he's also excellent on his uh, pack a day episodes with Andy Herman, but he had said it wasn't necessarily for a lack of pressure because Mike Patton was dialing up some really creative things against Tom Brady, but the ball was just coming out of his hand so quickly on Sunday that they weren't able to get the pressure there quick enough, which, you know, that is something that we all had talked about being the key to the game is generating enough pressure against Tom Brady because he's not mobile in the pocket anymore. So it just was, it was a really, I think bizarre showing on Sunday. And I think that it just illuminates some of those red flags where, why is it that this is a Packers team that can't play in close games when they're down? And I think that a a lot of that kind of falls on the defense and, it doesn't help when you have cut-ups of a blown uh, play call where Kingsley Kiki and Kenny Clark are both <laughs> dropping into coverage, like a Madden glitch, like <laughs> identically moving back, rushing too. So it just, there's just a lot of question marks. And I, I do agree with you that there's not going to be a change made midseason. season. Um, and I think a, a large part of that is keeping the continuity and the consistency, because you have a team that you think is so close and you were in the NFC championship game last season. So you don't really want to make waves right now, but, You and I talked about this on the roundtable for Game on Wisconsin, that if they did have to move on midseason, a guy like Mike Smith, to me, would be the person that I think that this defense could really rally behind.
1: Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st.
3: Yeah, the two-man rush, I remember seeing that in the middle of the game, and I had to be thinking, that has to be a blown assignment. Like, there is no way that that was the plan in the middle of the play. If it was, then they should have left Mike Pettin in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> I just Here's the part that, and I've talked about this before as well, and it was probably on the same roundtable with you. I can't really keep track. I've made this point a couple different times. But I don't understand, you know, Matt LaFleur, and sometimes coaches just don't mesh together. You know, for example, you can kind of see how like Mike Vrabel, who's kind of a meatball. And I mean that the most (laughs) respectful way possible, because he's a really good coach, but he's kind of a meatball and Matt LaFleur is kind of an intellectual. You can kind of see how those two maybe didn't get along in one season in Tennessee. Matt LaFleur and Mike Patton are the same way to me. And I don't mean that from a personality standpoint. I just mean like from a coaching philosophy standpoint, Matt LaFleur's personality and his trademark is all gas, no breaks, Whereas... Mike Patton's is kind of like, okay, just move the ball between the 20s and I hope you kick a field goal. That's the antithesis, to use a Peter Bukowski term, of Matt LaFleur. It doesn't make any sense to me how I went back and I listened to LaFleur's opening press conference, and when they asked him about, you know, what do you want in a defense and what are your thoughts on that, and he said, you know, words like aggressive, ball hawking, rally to the ball, stuff like that, and we don't see any of those things. With Mike Patton, they don't challenge anything. It's almost like a—they're content to give up a six-yard reception because it wasn't a twenty-six-yard reception. And just in general, as far as style of defense, I hate that. And especially against a team that has Tom Brady on it, who Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls, being willing to do this just to paper cut you to death. I'll take six. I'll take three. I'll take five. That's a first down, bang. You know, I know the photo has kind of made the rounds this week. It's third and two, and Josh Jackson is playing in left field and they're not bringing pressure and they're not, how is that? Like you're conceding the first down. It's just a very defeated mindset. And I wish that this defense was a little bit more. I know aggressive is probably like the term that a lot of people use, but just a little bit more challenging, a little bit more willing to dictate to the opposing offense Cause they have the talent to do it. That's the part that we talked about is obviously they have three really good pass rushers, a really good nose tackle, one really good corner and one good corner. Two safeties that you really like. They have some needs at in the middle of their defense. They have some issues at linebacker. I understand that. But overall, this defense should be better than what it is. And it's not. And you mentioned Mike Smith being somebody they could rally behind. That's somebody I can picture meshing well with Matt LaFleur as well. And that's going to be a topic. Hopefully, the offseason, it's not a topic. Because if it's not a topic, that might mean the Packers have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's because if they win the Super Bowl, they're probably not replacing any of their coaches unless it's by choice, right? That would make sense. But nonetheless, hopefully this is a topic that we don't have to talk about for too long. I just I don't really understand it. I don't understand a lot of what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where we kind of get to this week. But before we get too far into this matchup, something that came out, if you want to call it news, I'm going to call it fun to talk about because I don't know if you can really call this news, but they asked Randall Cobb the Houston media in a conference call about, you know, what are your thoughts about potentially being traded? And he said, I bought a house here. You know, I plan on being here for the long haul. I signed a three year contract, blah, blah, blah. But I had a conversation today. So we'll see where that goes. And obviously that last line, I had a conversation today and we'll see where that goes. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Lends the belief that he could potentially be somebody that's traded. The Texans are bad. They're not getting better. And they're going to be under a whole different management next season with Bill O'Brien being ousted four games into the year. Then you have Aaron Rodgers talking about how much he loves Randall Cobb and how reliable he was and how dynamic he was and how tough he was and all this stuff. And uh, newsflash, guys, people around the Packers seem to think the Packers need another wide receiver. Nonetheless, that makes this fun to talk about. (laughs) Is this a, and let's not necessarily get into like what we would do from a team building standpoint, I guess, but is this somebody that is worth bringing back in? Does an addition of Randall Cobb help the team that much? Obviously you have to consider the salary cap. It's something they could theoretically fit. It's not great. It's not a great situation if they did, but they could theoretically fit that in and bring him in. Is he that much better? then assuming Alan Lazard is able to come back healthy, then the guys that are already on the roster. So the thing
4: that interests me about Randall Cobb, and I did, I just put on Twitter that if I were like, I know that there's this desire for the Packers to bring in a wide receiver. And I understand why people feel that way. But to me watching the first couple games of the season, it didn't feel like the offensive pieces were the problem. It felt like schematically Matt LaFleur was able to kind of dictate whatever he wanted Whether Devontae Adams was out, when Alan Lazard was out, Robert Tanyan, like there's always been enough guys and enough pieces to step up. Now, I think the challenge that that offense ran into on Sunday was just the speed of the Buccaneers defense, which is, there aren't many defenses built like that in the NFL. I mean, the Bucs may have the speediest kind of middle of their defense. Um, But I think about, you know, the Tyler Irvin role and kind of, you know, I don't know how long-term his wrist injury is, but... I I did say, you know, on Twitter that I don't think that the Packers need a wide receiver as much as I would rather take a flyer on somebody on the defensive side of the ball, like a defensive lineman. But there is something that interests me about Randall Cobb. And I think that would just be the way that I see him fitting as a gadget player in Matt LaFleur's offense. And I said I do not want to take a flyer on most receivers because of price. And, you know, we know it takes Aaron Rodgers time to get acclimated with his receiving core. So I don't know if that would be kind of a factor in that, but he's such a, a traditional slot player. I see Matt LaFleur being able to utilize him in a lot of motions and wheel routes and jet sweeps. And that dynamic to me, you know, in addition to obviously the chemistry that he's had with Aaron Rodgers forever makes him interesting. And I don't think that the salary would necessarily like, I wouldn't want to take Randall Cobb at the, the risk of not being able to sign like an Aaron Jones, but I, He does interest me as an option, even though I, I really, really feel like he would be an unlikely, unlikely trade for the Packers.
3: Yeah. I don't think it's likely the point that you brought up that makes it a little interesting is when people talk about the potential of trading for a receiver, if you think about it, this is a eight, nine game rental, you know, depending on the playoffs and stuff, obviously this is plug and go. You have to be ready to jump in and go now. And like you mentioned, it takes Rodgers some time to get on the same page with those guys. And if you're not in the exact right spots at the exact right times, it's going to be tough sledding for you. We saw it on on Sunday, and it's kind of funny how we all kind of understand what's going on now when something like that happens. For example, Equinemius St. Brown, the Packers run a run pass option. EQ's not out of his route. Rodgers throws it, and it looks like a dirt ball. But really it's Rogers threw it to the spot that EQ was supposed to be in. EQ just wasn't out of his break yet. And you're like, okay, it's going to be a while. Like it's just going to take a minute for someone like him to acclimate himself into this offense. It's the guys that do things right in practice. And Rogers mentioned that on the Pat McAfee show, when he was asked about EQ specifically, got to see some things in practice before we can get him on the field. The thing with Cobb is it's somebody who can jump in and maybe he doesn't know this offense, but he's a pro. So you expect him to be able to pick that up pretty quickly. And uh, he's had a pretty good relationship and able to work with Aaron Rodgers. Now, what's the price to pay for him? How's the contract situation, all that stuff work? Those are questions for Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball to figure out. That's their guys' job. So I'm not going to bore you guys with that kind of stuff. Overall, in a vacuum, it makes some sense. But now we can talk about the other side (laughs) of things because my thought, and Maggie, you agree with me because I know because, well, I've read you say it. The Packers, if they need help, in my opinion and yours, and I don't want to speak too much for you, I'll let you get to it here, but is on the defensive side of the ball. The Packers can score points. I firmly believe if they lose, it will not be because if they lose in the postseason, it won't be because they couldn't score one because there just aren't a lot of elite defenses in the NFL anymore. So if they don't play Tampa Bay in the NFC postseason, they're not going to play an elite defense that I don't think they can score against. And that even includes Chicago to some degree. I think they could do some things against the bears defense as well. It's not going to be because they can't score points, but one because of that two because their offense is good. Like they have, they scored 30 points in each of the first four games. And like Roger said, one out of five, he was not having it today. <laughs> in this press conference. It was a sight to behold. He's annoyed. And, uh, I feel bad for the Houston Texans is all I'm going to say about that specifically, but somebody on the Houston Texans that represents what could be a, again, it's not the most realistic trade candidate. Cause again, there are salary cap implications, but the Packers could theoretically trade for him as a rental and then cut him at the end of the season with no dead money. And that is Wisconsin's own JJ Watt. <laughs> and I know you guys love that connection. Obviously I am not a Badger fan and I'm not from Wisconsin. So that part doesn't matter to me as much, but I love the idea because Kenny Clark next, even if JJ Watt is diminished to some degree, he still has some juice left in the tank. And he's somebody that I think can still make some plays and get after the quarterback. And JJ Watt represents to me, at least like the pipe dream of what I think the Packers should do. If they're trying to pursue somebody at the trade deadline, that's like the top, top level, right? If you can get him for like a fourth round pick or something like that, and he's a high-end name player, heavy money, you cut him at the end of the year or try and cut him and re-sign him for less kind of thing, you know, whatever it is you need to do. Again, Brian Gudekunst Russ Ball kind of question. Nonetheless, my thought is if the Packers are going to trade for help, it needs to be in that front seven, whether that's a defensive lineman or a linebacker, because I think the back end is – fine. Jair Alexander's awesome. If Kevin King's healthy, he's good. I still believe in Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, uh, even if they haven't played that well throughout this first five game stretch of the season, I think eventually they will play well together and they'll figure out some better ways to get these guys in better positions to succeed. That said, that's where I'm thinking, whether it's, and I think really even more so than the linebacker spot, because the Packers just really don't care about that position, quite frankly. The defensive line is something where, if you can make it to where your base defense, just to use a name again, for example, is Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki and JJ Watt. Or if on running downs, you have guys like Tyler Lancaster and Montrevious Adams coming in to kind of spell some guys for some downs, that's better than what you're throwing out there. And I didn't even mention Dean Lowry. That's somebody you could obviously use as a rotational body as well. That's better than what they're throwing out there now. And it allows Mike Patton to do a lot of different things with these smaller fronts that he wants to play. To still rush the passer because that is Watts' number one quality. That's how he won Defensive Player of the Year. So let's talk about him. What are your maybe not even just him, but like the defensive line specifically? What are your thoughts on potentially getting some help in the middle?
2: Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or an overbearing parent screaming words of wisdom from the stands, fewer than 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Whether it be 30 years of Hall of Fame QB play in Green Bay, or 30 years of quarterback torture in Chicago, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football.
4: Yeah, I was kind of surprised, you know, this offseason and again in the draft. Everybody knows Ross Blacklock was my favorite player in the draft class for as far as like a fit for this Packers front seven Um, really liked DJ reader who left the Texans, obviously in free agency, really liked Michael Pierce as a free agent who ended up opting out of the season. So he wouldn't have been helpful anyway. And I'm, I guess, thankful he's not helping the Vikings right now, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that kind of big body in the middle is who I had pictured this Packers team. I I felt like they were really close on defense and they were just one or two pieces away. And I think now what we're seeing is again, this is a defense that likely in that front seven is one or two pieces away. And we had talked pre show about we just King Kingsley Kiki's a maybe and he arguably is an ascending player. But if you can spell a guy and continue King Kingsley's ascension while you bring in a body like JJ Watt, and I think I agree with you, he's like a pie in the sky. You know, you it's unlikely that he would be the guy, but. I saw a couple people kind of comping him to like a Julius Peppers role where he's a guy that can come in and immediately have an impact because you're not necessarily asking him to be the face of your defense. And when you pair him with guys like Kenny Clark and Zedarius Smith and even Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, you know, I think maybe that's when we're going to see more production out of Preston Smith because he doesn't need to be the guy opposite Zedarius Smith. Like he doesn't have to be the other focal point rushing off of the other tackle. And you know, I I think it was Andy Herman. A couple people on Twitter had posed the question, like, which free agents then in this Packers class would you be willing to give up? But, you know, to your point, if he is kind of like a a playoff rental, and if the Texans are a team that are not making it to the postseason, you
3: and they're you not. <laughs> and they're not, There are
4: going to be, you know, some interesting pieces. And, you know, a couple names I've seen on Twitter, like a Geno Atkins, like any type of big bodied guy that you can get in as a rotational player. I think, I think Gino Atkins is playing like 9% of snaps for the Bengals defense right now. So just, I just feel like there are a couple pieces away rotationally even. And, you know, I think you have to look at ceilings where I think Dean Lowry works for his role. I think Tyler Lancaster honestly has looked really good as a nose tackle when he gets to play a true nose tackle. But right now he's on the injury report. Likely, I'm not sure if he'll play this week. It's a shoulder injury. So, you know, if you can kind of beef up even your rotation to an extent, I think that would go a long way. And I I get the desire for Packers fans to have like a really speedy inside linebacker. And maybe that'll be Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes together, but there aren't many in the league that can be as quick as that Bucks secondary or that Bucks tandem of uh Devin White and uh, Levante David. So that's kind of a pipe dream too, is thinking that we're just going to get somebody off the street who is that quick and can make that significant of an impact for the middle of the Packers defense.
3: That they are. And that would be a, in a complete about face, honestly, for the way you know they've treated the position, even after Brian yeah. Gutekunst talked about this offseason how they need speed in the middle of the defense. And then really, they kind of just attacked that linebacker position very similarly to the way that they have maybe a little bit differently because they spent some money on Christian Kirksey, but overall it really was just kind of the same way. A free agent who was not the big name. It wasn't like Corey Littleton or somebody like that. And then they had a chance at, at least one of the linebackers. I think Kenneth Murray was off the clock when Green Bay or off the board when Green Bay traded up, but they could have picked Patrick Queen. They just chose not to. They chose to take Jordan Love. Obviously, we don't need to rehash that. (laughs) I think you guys have heard enough Jordan Love takes to last a lifetime at this point, but I'm with you. I think the defensive line is is your discussion, and you're talking about, you know, you talked about ceilings and things of that nature, something that Aaron Nagler pointed out. Oh, it's probably been three years now. Something maybe even longer than that, I don't know, but it stuck with me a little while about Ted Thompson. And it was, he said, and I'm paraphrasing Ted Thompson's willingness to make sure his future teams are always good will always ensure that his current team comes up short. And the hope or thought on my end is at least that Brian Gudekunst is a little more willing to stray from that a little bit. I'm not saying that I need him to spend a good zillion dollars and end up in New Orleans Saints salary cap hell. That being said. If you have a chance to acquire J.J. Watt for very little draft compensation for this season, cut him at the end of the year, and then maybe you re-sign him to a contract. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Figure out something to where, to me, I, I've talked about this before. If you re-sign David Bakhtiari, everything else after that, as far as the Packers free agent class, as far as I'm concerned, is gravy. Because you've already got Kenny Clark done. Aaron Jones, that's fine. Ken, you know Kevin King, all those dudes, that's fine. But Bakhtiari is number one. And if you can have a chance to win a Super Bowl this season, and granted, I I don't believe a team is ever one player away, but are you giving yourself the best possible chance where if your primary pass rush group later instead of, and I love Kingsley Kiki as much as the next person, but I would rather have J.J. Watt chasing Russell Wilson in an NFC Championship type scenario. Tom Brady, name your guy. doesn't matter who that quarterback is back there. I'd rather have him chasing that guy. Than Kings of Kiki and then allowing, honestly, you can do a lot of rotation stuff. Kenny Clark can play a little less, become more effective that way. They can do a lot of different stuff. That's kind of that thought there, at least as far as the trade deadline goes. That is in two weeks, so we'll see if anything happens on that front. The Packers have been active each of the last two years since Gutekunst took over. They traded Ha Ha Clinton-Dix and Ty Montgomery during his first season as a general manager. Traded him away, picked up a fourth and a seventh, respectively. And then last year, they thought they had a deal done for Robbie Anderson, and then it fell through or didn't happen you know for whatever reason Robbie Anderson didn't become a packer by the by the end of the trade deadline so they've been active they'll try and find some help whether or not it happens remains to be seen a lot going on there we should probably talk about this matchup that's kind of the point right so we've we got the, we've got the packers and the texans coming up on Sunday at noon it's a bounce back game you're hoping at least if you're green bay packers have talked about going 1 and 0 in Houston put the tampa game behind you matt LaFleur said don't let one loss turn into two They've never lost two straight games under Matt Lafleur. Looking at this Houston offense, it does amaze me a little bit that they've only won one game this season. Now, granted, that's largely because their defense stinks on ice, but their offense: Deshaun Watson, very good; Laramie Tunsil, standout left tackle who's played very well; Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Darren Fells, good tight end; David Johnson, kind of a punchline because he's the guy they traded for DeAndre or DeAndre Hopkins for. Nonetheless. A capable player, Duke Johnson, capable player. They have weapons on this offensive side of the ball. So I say all that to say, is this going to be one of those shootouts and Green Bay better outscore them because they can't stop them? I,
4: yeah, I mean, it, I was like really fascinated when you were talking earlier about uh, thinking that the Packers can score on anyone because I do agree that the offense is built that way, but. I think about the NFC championship game and I think this, you know, echoes back to this defense being the problem. And until they prove that, you know, they can rally and allow this Packers team to put up points, it's not going to make much of a difference whether or not the Packers can put up points if they're consistently down multiple scores. And I think that that's what we're lacking from this entire, I guess, Matt LaFleur-led team is the ability to rally. And we saw them kind of, Close with the Eagles, but I think that that at this point is more of an anomaly than um, the other four losses that came in blowout fashion. So I think that that's kind of what we're looking for is if this Packers team loses again this season, which I'm not saying it's going to be Sunday, but I don't think this is going to be a 15 and one season. So kind of what these losses look like and the shape that they take as to whether or not this defense is a concern moving forward. And I think that this is another explosive game. I mean, the Texans are coming off a heartbreaker against Tennessee and that was a very good game. Um another pretty high-scoring matchup. So I I do think that this offense has the pieces. They've got some speed. Hopefully Kevin King comes back. I think he was limited in practice. He was out there a little bit, so we should know more at the end of the week whether or not he can go, but I, and Deshaun Watson is a mobile dude. Like he he's one of the best at spinning out and buying himself time and I think that's another really good test for this front seven. And I think that kind of echoes back to your point where if you need chase players, that's when you want a guy like JJ Watt, you don't want Montrevius Adams to have to be your chaser. And yeah, i I think it's a high scoring game on Sunday. I, I think it is a win a very winnable game for the Packers. And, you know, like you said, we don't have the offense to talk about why it likely is so winnable, but yeah, there's, there's pieces here. And it's hard to to pinpoint their offense and say, ah, yes, this is the position that's lacking. I guess, unless you say like their offensive line, but, and I feel like we talk about that every week where the theme has to be generating enough pressure on the opposing quarterback, which is something that we're not necessarily seeing from this defense.
3: Now 30th and pass rush win rate going into the Tampa game. And I can't imagine after that game that it went up considering (laughs) I don't think Tom Brady got breathed on throughout the course of that game. So You said we don't have the offense to talk about, but I am going to kind of make this about the offense a little bit because I think Green Bay's best defense on Sunday is their offense. And I kind of hate that thought process and that saying. But that being said, Green Bay has been very good this year at ball control, holding the ball, converting third downs, keeping the time of possession in their favor. That first game against Minnesota, it was nearly 2-1, to I think, at some point throughout the course of that game. So going through this game, I think the best way to keep the Texans – off the scoreboard is to keep them off the field, limit their opportunities. Now, Deshaun Watson, as much as I love him and he's great, he will throw you one might throw you two. And the Texans do find ways to get in their own way. So you might be able to generate a couple turnovers and such that way, but from a weapon standpoint, yeah, the, the Texans can match the Packers score for score. So how do you do that? The Texans gave up 200 plus yards rushing to Derrick Henry newsflash. Derrick Henry's good. And 300 <laughs> plus yards passing to Ryan Tannehill. That's, horrendous to, to do that. So <laughs> they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. What could they stop? Nothing. I think this could be a huge day for Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Aaron Rodgers. kind of playing possession passing. If you will, guys like Devante Adams, Robert Tanya. And if he's able to go, he mispracticed with an ankle injury today. But if, even if it's not him, they found different guys and the Texans defense isn't good. I think that's the best way to limit this game and to limit the possessions for Houston and limit their ways to be able to hurt you. And I think for the most part, Green Bay should be able to do that. Even if David Bakhtiari can't play, which is really concerning, obviously he's not participating in practice today. And if you don't practice in Green Bay, typically you don't play. If he can't go, I do wonder what they'll do at left tackle. Rick Wagner was the guy who went in there on Sunday, but that was kind of a pressed into duty kind of thing. So we'll see if they try something interesting with like Elton Jenkins. It's not like they haven't done that. Well, they made him a right tackle. That is different, but. It's not like they haven't done something like that before. So that'll be something to watch on Sunday as well. Maggie, we're at the end of it here. So Packers and Texans will kick off at noon on Sunday in Houston. There will be some fans in the stand. So it's a second consecutive, quote unquote, true road game for the Packers from that standpoint. Obviously, it's not filled. The last time Green Bay went to Houston, you guys all remember, Aaron Rodgers famously silenced his doubters, so to speak. Six touchdown passes. Jordy had three receiving touchdowns. James Jones had a one hander that I still remember. Like it was crazy. The whole game was just insane. The Packers were awesome in a game that really nobody gave them a chance to win. That's the last time they went to Houston. The last time these two teams played Houston came to green Bay and that was during the run the table stretch. The Packers won 21 to seven. What's it going to be this time around?
4: I go back and forth because I don't want this to be like some outlandish for pre- like prediction. And, you know, but I just, I feel like this is the get right game. And we, like you said, this is a Packers team that hasn't lost twice under Matt LaFleur. Um, I don't know if our listeners are Pat McAfee fans, but it was kind of funny where Pat McAfee at the end of his segment with Aaron Rodgers on Tuesday said, Hey, go out and win on Sunday. And he said, Okay. Okay. Like it, it was the most casual, like Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. And he's reading everything that's happening. And, you know, he's no longer in the MVP contention. Like all this, this stuff that is being said about him. And, you know, is he losing the whatever, whatever it is. I, I, I want to say it's like 42 to 24. I want to say this is a, just a huge day for the offense. And we've seen them put up numbers like that earlier in the season. This Texans defense is bad. There you go. Another 40 burger.
3: Did you know that that was the final score of the last time these two teams played in Houston?
4: I probably saw it, but not off the
3: top of my head. So. <laughs> okay. I wondered if that was what you were channeling because that's funny. But, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I think it's another 40-plus game for Green Bay. I just I don't see what Houston can do because eh, this annoys the living hell out of me. Every time a team loses that was undefeated, oh, do they have the blueprint to stop that team? Gee, how do you stop a team with a great offense? You rush four, you cover with seven, and you hit the crap out of the quarterback every play. I wonder why more teams don't try that. That's not a blueprint, that's execution. And the Tampa defense is one of the few teams, maybe the only team that can execute a plan like that one. So, no, I don't think that Tampa exposed a blueprint because that's something that's been in since nineteen nineteen, when the game was invented <laughs> or whenever the forward pass was invented sometime shortly after that. That said, I think Houston can put up points. I think this game will be another frustrating one on the defensive side of the ball. And if there's anything... Houston has big play receivers like Patton or excuse me, Mike. Patton. Well, gosh, that was an unintended joke, but there you go. Guys have at it. <laughs> Brandon cooks and will fuller. Both can take the top off of a defense. And I don't think Mike Patton going to change his strategy. And you add in that Darnell Savage is not participating in practice. Now you're talking about potentially playing will Redmond or Raven green, or I'm not quite sure who would play in that safety role. If Savage can't go on Sunday, but now, that's another you know, layer to this story. I think Houston puts up a lot of points. I just think Green Bay puts up more. I like Green Bay. Again, I like your point. I like 41-31, and Green Bay gets right, and we still have a lot of questions about the defense after the game is over. Unfortunately, that's just how I think the, the season's going to go for, for a while at this point. But the good news is teams get better. Players get better. Last year, this has kind of stuck with me for a while. Jake Morley told me after a game last year, For Kansas City to win a Super Bowl, Pat's going to have to put up 50 in every game. While Kansas City's defense got better as that season went along. And man for man, the Packers might be more talented than that Kansas City defense was last year. So maybe that'll happen. We'll see. It'll be nice to have Kevin King back. He practiced today. So the hope is that the Packers at least have their secondary in for a passing offense that is pretty damn good with deshaun watson there we are out of time thank you guys for joining us follow jimmy christensen on twitter if you really want to it's at jimmy underscore c08 you can follow the Packaday podcast at Packaday podcast you can find maggie at maggie j loney and all over the internet um it's pretty much the best every day of the week too right
4: yeah okay so i I thought that we were just doing like the Twitter ads, but yeah, you can find me two times a week with Cheesehead TV. Uh, you can catch me and Perry Goldstein for Game On Wisconsin on Monday's happy hour. And you can find our podcast uh, for Cheesehead TV with the Packs, which she said podcast typically drops on Fridays.
3: So a little game preview spice for you guys going into the weekend <laughs> with those two. So they get you after the win and going into the next win. So it's yep. kind of a nice little it's like a give and take there for those. Yeah, it's just like a sandwich. That's the the way I was going to look at that. So there you go. <laughs> Catch those two on there. You can find me if you really want to. I'm at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter, uh, game on Wisconsin at game on WI I host the Jamal Williams show on Tuesday nights. I got Jamal Williams in a lot of trouble. I'm just kidding. He wasn't in trouble. It's fine. And everything's okay. Brady fans are just like the plague basically. So, that is what it is. That's all beside the point. But check out the Jamal Williams J Swag Daddy Swag Bag Giveaway. It's our pin tweet at GameOnWI. We've raised $4,000 with a goal of $5,000, but the goal is not just to meet but to blow that goal out of the water. So thank you guys that have all been able to donate to that. And I also write once a week for Packer Report. Appreciate you guys listening. The Packers will play the Texans on Sunday at noon, and we will be here next week to recap that and go into a – Divisional showdown against the Minnesota Vikings, a home game. The Packers will be back at home after this week. So that should be a fun one. Nice to see the beautiful grass of Lambeau Field on your television screens again. Thank you guys for listening and go Pack Go. Every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book
2: experts.